Lads, okay, open the episode. Alex has a surprise question. It has nothing to do with hockey, but it's a debate that we need to have, even though the three of us are maybe not too qualified to talk about it. Oh, I, I'm extremely not qualified to talk about it, but I'll give a, I'll, I'm going to throw this question Daniel's way. And Adam, if you want to give an answer too, you're, you're yeah. more than welcome. Is to. it about tax season? It's not. I know well, it's it, among is taxi. Us. it is tax yes. season is among us. I've seen the commercials, but it's a basketball question. I've been asking people this question uh, during my interviews for the Guelph Nighthawks. Oh, okay. Just to open, you know, open them up a little bit. Who is the goat of basketball? Oh my gosh! You know, I have heard this a lot on a lot of podcasts recently, and not just basketball podcasts. Um, before I get to the question, it's um, yeah. a big thing. It's like a generational divide that a lot of yeah. people say about yeah. who is the goat. And your um, answer is. Oh my God. You know, it's funny. I saw those videos and those people, people stumbled too. They stumbled def- too. I know. I, you're deflecting the yeah, question. I'm deflecting question. Um, Answer the question, Max Kellerman. Is honestly, I'm, I'm going to have to say like Michael Jordan. Okay. For a lot of reasons. There we go. Let's hear a few of them. Okay. I think the first reason is, I guess number one, he never lost in the finals. Good. Fair. Like the only time another team won a championship in the nineties was when he was retired. So the Rockets twice and then the Spurs. Uh, actually, no, I was wrong. Um, I think the one, the 1990, was it the Pistons? You would, it probably, yeah, it was probably the probably, Pistons. Yeah. Okay. So that's one exception, but that was like, that was small Jordan. That was before he was, that was like the Jordan rules. Pistons wouldn't it have been. Yeah. And like Dennis Robin would have been on the team, maybe Isaiah, right? Dennis. Yeah, when Dennis Robin was bullying Michael Jordan, not helping yes. him. Exactly. Um, yeah. Also, I think it's just well, the way I kind of see it too, it's just the growth of the game where you look at where contracts are at now. Um, a lot of other countries becoming competitive, and a lot of those players attributing the popularity of the sport because of the 90s and the expansion of you know, the television rights, both nationally and internationally. So I think that no other player has done that before, except for Michael Jordan. And I know that there's a lot of other arguments there too, because the game was also getting popular in the eighties with the Showtime Lakers. But like, you know, when, and I'm just going to put it like the most simplest terms, when you're a little kid, you're not thinking, and maybe, you know, I'm, just speaking for myself, because again, another generational thing we grew up in, like I grew up in the late nineties and the two thousands, but you know, like I never thought, you know, when I'm taking like a shot or something or thinking like, you know, I really want to be magic Johnson. I really, I really want to be magic Johnson. Um, And I think like in terms of like, I guess a skill perspective, like if you go even further, it's like, it was dominated by big men. We're like, you never really related to that. So I think, it is Michael Jordan, both on the court and how he was able to kind of grow the game because he literally is still a franchise guy. Like he hasn't played in close to 20 years and still people are buying Air Jordans. Right. Uh, just, just to confirm, 1990, the Detroit Pistons okay. uh, beat the Trailblazers in five games. Okay. Yeah, makes sense. And they probably beat the Bulls on the way there, probably. I'm going to guess. Yeah, I think so. I think it wasn't that that last year. And they always talk about like that was, uh, I think it was, it was before that. Is it was, it was as a result of that series thing when Michael said, okay, I got a, I got a bulk of, I got to get muscle on me. 
I think I, I think that was the most recent episode the last, last days I've actually watched. Must I, um, must I say, I really love that in this conversation, by the way, that Adam watched The Last Dance. I've watched it through twice now. It's so, it's really, really good. There are some points where I'm like, like the, the food poisoning episode, I'm like, okay, all right, okay then. The pizza but, yeah, conspiracy. Like, I look at the 6-0 in the finals is a big thing for me. Like, always getting to the highest point of the league, and you never lost there. And I want to say there was like a, there's a consecutive record the Bulls had of always having like higher seating in that, which is a very underrated part of his legacy. And again, every time going to the finals, who was the MVP? It was Michael Jordan, six-time finals MVP. Um, I think there was always this thing of if I understand if I know my basketball timeline properly, is if you look at what Jordan did in the international stage, that maybe Magic Johnson started it. And then Michael picked it up and ran with it in a way. Um, yeah, and there's that thing of there ain't no Air LeBrons. It's Air Jordans. Like the man is, how many hockey players are truly bigger than the sport? One. The way that Michael Jordan is bigger than the game of basketball somehow. One. To me, at least. What, probably Wayne? Yeah. I, I don't yeah. think anyone else. Like, no offense to... Crosby, Ovechkin, McDavid, Lemieux, Yager. It's it's Wayne. I think you can maybe make the argument for Sid in the in this day and age, but it's here's the comparison I love thinking about. I think I'll talk to you guys about this. In this in, in the last dance, Wayne Gretzky's in it, right? But it's not like he's courtsider in the locker room like Leonardo DiCaprio was for that one scene or Jerry Springer. They, they're just passing, like, like talk to Wayne Gretzky in the crowd. Like, he's not brought back or anything. That may be me thinking way too much into one scene. But, you know, there's a tear there. And even if Wayne is at a certain point, um, like, we, we get Wayne Gretzky out on TV, and it's the biggest thing ever, even though he never really ever speaks anything of substance. Um, but Michael Jordan is, I think it was this, this year was, like, the 75th anniversary of the NBA or something. Mm-hmm. And he's, like, at the All-Star game, and he's, you know, clapping hands with, with Luca and all that. And the man still has his presence about him. I just, it's, I've, the last dance, even to someone like me, who is a very, very, very casual basketball fan, a part of me getting into the sport, it wasn't even the Raptors winning. uh, It was watching the last dance. You know, if I had told me last year, Adam, you know what you're going to do? You're going to be watching like James Harden and, and all these guys. Like, I think I was like, I watched his return. It was his first game in Philly when Brooklyn came to town a couple of weeks ago. Yeah. And that's because of Michael Jordan. It's the on and off course stuff. He's just insane. Scotty doesn't. Scotty's insane to think he's better than <laughs> that book. Destroyed a lot of. Bridges. I still want to read that book. I think the thing for me, the reason I don't put Sid in that category yet is because I think maybe I'm being a little unfair, but I look at how other sports have, uh, I guess, developed and look at. They're literally the culture. LeBron James is the culture. Um, and I mean, that's the fault of the NHL. It's not the fault of Crosby at the end of the day. I think a lot of it is very much the fault of the NHL. And I think I'm being extremely unfair. But I think Wayne Gretz, like maybe he wasn't the culture, but I don't like, I don't know. It's not, it's not the same to me. It's not the same. Let me ask you this. What did David Stern do with Michael Jordan? And then tail under that, Kobe Bryant, um, compared to what Wayne Gretzky did with six years of Gretzky, and then a bit of a lull, but he still would have had Yager in that. 
and then he's had Sidney Crosby for his entire career in the American market, which he would have loved to see. And we kind of question the game still right here, right now. And just, I think that's a that's a way of kind of comparing the sports. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, I'm also I think I also think I'm the probably the biggest Sidney Crosby homer on the show. Um, so probably yeah. we heard it on the TikTok comments or we read it on the uh, TikTok. Yeah, really? So. Yeah, there are a few who are like, so, oh, yeah. this guy's talking about Sid again. Because I think when you talked about your Mount Rushmore of the NHL. Oh. Really? Yeah. <laughs> I don't have TikTok, so I can't read the comments. I did the TikTok. Oh, okay, that's good to know. That's good to know. Um, I do mention Sid a lot. I do mention it. I think deservedly so. Um, but that's good. It's good to know that the TikTok, you love the interaction. You need that going on YouTube nowadays. Um, it is a bit of a, a weird sort of transition to go from here. Um, because one of the biggest stories in the NHL this week uh, was the passing of Eugene Melnick, uh, owner of the Ottawa Senators. Someone, first off, we, of course, pats our condolences off to the family. He has two young daughters. Uh, I think one of them is just, I think, is like a year older than me. Uh, and the other one, I think, is a little younger. So uh, incredibly young. I think he was 63 when it happened. Um it's very strange to talk about Eugene Melnick, and there is a tremendous article in The Athletic by Ian Mendez right now talking about the complicated sort of legacy of Eugene Melnick, about how he came in in the early 2000s, he saved the team, but from like 2017 onwards in that outdoor game to his passing, Melnick out is almost sort of how I remember Eugene Melnick. I don't know if that's fair, but that's kind of how you look at his legacy almost. Yeah. And I think, I mean, a, a lot of that has to do with uh, what have you done for me now? Or what have you, a lot of recency bias, obviously, like, I mean, I, I, I'm probably not the only one, but I think we very much have been heavily critical of Eugene Melnick on, on the show. And I mean, I, I mean, in my, uh, I think, rightly so I, I don't think we've attacked him uh as a person i don't think we've ever really gone that far um but like yeah everything i probably would have said on today's episode you uh ian mendes said a hundred thousand times uh better better than than me what i will say just to before daniel i, I send it to you i i'm not a fan of what's been going on with this Quebec city stuff. Like I I'm uh, listen, we've talked about Quebec city. Do they deserve a team a thousand percent? Not the time, not like I get it. Not the time to bring it up. Mm-hmm. Go ahead. Yeah, I, I agree. I think when we, when we use the term polarizing, I think of Eugene Melnick where a lot what Alex said about the recency bias of what was going on with the team, what the approach of the rebuild was looking like, uh, what they were going to do in terms of taking the next step or how are they keeping talent on the team. But again, like what Ian Mendez mentioned at articles, just we have to remember that he was the guy that kept them in, kept the senators in Ottawa, that he was willing to kind of stabilize everything that was going on with this team and, try to build something there. And, you know, we look back on, I guess, a big highlight of it is that, you know, 2016, they almost beat the Penguins. 17. 17, 17 my apologies. They almost beat the Penguins. Um, that team looked like there was a lot of promise there. And 
I think from just that point onwards, that's when things did get messy. The whole Eric Carlson situation. We had the Daniel Alfredson situation and both, both of the Alfredson situations, both of the Alfredson situations. And it's just kind of like an interesting thing to look at, like what the culture of the team was. But again, like the team is there. Um, Like I guess what he leaves behind with his legacy here is that, you know, they did stockpile talent as of right now. And I don't know how to say it because like we, like I admit, like we didn't criticize the man. We criticized the decisions. Yeah. He, first off, one thing I, like, I, I really want to make clear here is um, like a lot has been talked about right now about the situation with his daughters and how ownership may shape out um, and the pressure that may be on them. Are they going to sell or that? One thing that we have to remember here in talking about Eugene as a person is like, you know, I mentioned when the Evander Kane thing happened that like I, I didn't like the dirty laundry in public because one day your kids are gonna grow up and see that. Um, I just I think people need to be sensitive that two daughters have just lost their father. One thing I want to shout out there. Um, and you know, with Eugene, it, it was always that you can respect how he was never afraid to say what was on his mind. Uh, and that sort of incident in 2017 at the outdoor game where he said, maybe we're going to move the team if people don't start showing up. Uh, that's him speaking out loud. We know that he was looking for the sense of playing this. Uh, not, I don't think it was in the States, but outside of Ottawa. I think it was, no, the it was States. in the States. It was um, in the States. And all that. He, he, the little bread and flat situation wasn't great. Um, but the man was a character in a sense. And, in a way, I felt like it's good for the sport to have those characters. Is there going to be sort of, was there criticism of, of the financial things of, you know, oh, we're going to spend this amount of money and that that weird video of Mark Borowiecki? Yes. Um, there's just so many chapters in the story of Eugene Melnick. Um, and it, it's going to be a complicated sort of way to always look at his life and this time is sends GM, but man, uh, it's it's so complicated to look at. He he wasn't like all a bad guy. Like Ian Mendes talks about, you know, when 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 Melik talked to him about what was happening with with Ian's daughter, and Eric Carlson said the other day when his kids were born that the organization sent flowers, and like we all know it didn't end well with Eric Carlson in that. But I just, it's so difficult to sort of really talk about this. Um, we can look at the ownership situation. I do believe that right now Gary Bettman has stated that things are going to stay as they are right now in Ottawa. Um, there might be some sort of governing body coming in because you can't expect two young women to not say because they're women. They're our age. They're young. Yeah. Now, I think Bruce Garriock has said one of his daughters has interned in every area of the organization. That's all well and good, but running a multi-million dollar organization is more than just interning at different spots. Right. Um, but it seems to be at least what the NHL are saying is that the Sens are staying in Ottawa, which I'm not surprised by. They have, it feels like they fought for Ottawa in the past. I know we've given them grief about fighting for Arizona, but I think they've always sort of been supportive of the Sens staying there. I don't think they've loved Eugene being as vocal as he has been, but and, and I, I mean, would you guys not agree? It's the right move. Like it's the right move to keep 
them in Ottawa. There's clearly something there. It's just, it's not the, the whole thing. And my thing a lot of the times is, and similar with Arizona, the arena is not in the right place. Indeed. Yeah, exactly. Like if the arena was closer to the city of Ottawa and not in Canada, like we're having a different conversation about this team. Like I genuinely believe if that arena wasn't in the, in kind of in the middle of nowhere, that 2017 Eastern conference finals, it's packed. Mm -hmm. Right. You look at what's Gary Bettman saying. The only way we ever move a team is a team is if no one's willing to buy them. Someone would buy the Sens if 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 Eugene's estate sort of decides to sell the team. We know there's been offers made to them before. Apparently, they've just been sort of low ball offers. And I mean, you got to look at some of the expansion price of the past couple of years. That price isn't. I don't think the Sens are going to be sold for a billion dollars or anything, but it's it's going to be higher past five hundred million probably at, at least. So I'm no sort of businessman, but you know I don't think. I don't think Gary Bettman's going to allow for anything like that to sort of happen. Uh, it's it's weird to say that, but like if you give credit to Gary Bettman for one thing, is that man the man is he is stubborn to move franchises, and that may work for the center. Like the nation's capital should have a team. Like the, the moment I saw this is it, it was it's almost a testament to UG Melnick is when you first see the news. I think we were all very shocked, and then the question started hitting you. And right away, I thought, now actually sort of touched on it, I, 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 it's going to be disgusting, but you know that there are people who have been pitching for the Nordiques to come back are going to be circling here. And like, listen, if you want to be interested in buying the team, there's nothing wrong with that, but just have some emotional intelligence. You know what I mean? Well, I mean, pitch it. Integrity, basically, yeah. Pitch it, go ahead. But I, I just, I'm not a, I, I know it's been two days. Uh, you're telling me a pitch has been made in two days. Like, I think the media suggestion of Quebec city is, and is, I think is my issue. I mean, like, yeah, I guess do whatever the hell you want. Pitch it to the NHL. I just think it's been two days and now you're going to go public with, Hey, uh, Quebec city is not a good is not a good look in my eyes. It's so not. It's they, not they what did I would do, do that because I didn't see any of that yet. So what? So they've they've again. What? So like that ownership? Well, is, well, there was a consortium or something. I so I saw today or yesterday was that the NHL was talking to uh, Quebec about playing five regular season games in Quebec City or five games. I, I don't remember if it was preseason. It was some playing five games as the senators in Quebec City. Okay. Okay, cool. But did you really have to report it two days after? Like I just yeah. to me, I get it. It's news. It just seems a little insensitive. Well, what's the ter- sorry to be morbid here, but let the body get cold. You know what I mean? Yeah. Let's see if I can find the article, but keep you guys keep going. Um, yeah, just, uh, we all want the Nordiques to come back, Daniel, but just a bit of respect to the family. Yeah, I think so. I think for the most part, like a lot of the, you know, more trusted 
sports media have been really good with this. I think it's just sometimes when you, it looks like you're just looking for another story to look at, looking at another opportunity to kind of really look at <clears throat> what's another thing that's going to destabilize the sense and kind of like kind of pile on things and say, it's time to move. It's time to realize that the situation is not ideal here anymore. And the guy that was adamant on kind of keeping it there is not here anymore, but Again, they're just choosing the wrong story at this point. This is something that they should not be talking about. And for me, frankly, like it's it, it's it's a very low level of integrity. Mm-hmm. Uh, have you found it, Alex? Or uh, so this is this is from a Sportsnet article uh, from today. Uh, so the who is this man? Anthony? Le- no, who is Gerard? Where did he go? Oh, Eric, Quebec's finance minister, Eric Girard, uh, had said that that the possibility of Quebec City hosting some senators games was brought up during a January meeting he had with the NH with NHL commissioner Gary Bettman. Uh, he said both sides had expressed an interest in the idea, but at this stage is preliminary. The comments came on the heels of a more expansive report by Dennis Lassard of La Presse that said preliminary talks took place involving Quebec's provincial government, the National Hockey League, and the Senators about the possibility of the team playing five NHL games at the set. um, Where is this? Yeah. But the report came out today. That's it's interesting because we've heard there's been a few whispers of a me of meetings between the league and the Quebec and Quebec. And then Batman's like, ah, there's like, do it. We're not interested right now, but we it's, I think we all kind of knew if there was ever a chance of Quebec coming back, it had to be the Sens moving. Uh, that's it. That's interesting. That's interesting. Um, we'll see. There, that's, uh, yeah, that's not great timing for anyone sort of that getting out. Um, story to keep an eye on. Again, condolences to the family because this is just, uh, it's got to be really rough. I just, I hope they're not paying too much attention to social media because it's like, I, yeah, okay, I can, Eugene's dead, but uh, you know what? Uh, the sense what's happening with them. That's what right. It's like. So that's just, it's crap. It'd be the worst right now. Just, yeah, don't go yeah. on it. Man, I don't know about you guys, but March has not been a good month. I just want it to be over. This is true. Uh, it's insane that it's almost April to begin with, by the way. Um, it's a long month. By the way, the second, my brother's birthday. He's turning Happy 30. birthday. Happy early oh, birthday. That's that the plans. That old bastard. Uh, we're going to Makimono's. Oh, awesome. Yes, I know that location in Pickering. It's, it's so good, isn't it? It's the main birthday hub when I go there for my uh, uncle's family. Very good. They're the calamari is to die for, is it not? Mm-hmm. Um, a rough transition, a, a, a sharp left turn, but the Mackie Mono sure to help it there. Uh, congratulations to the Boston Pride. You're back-to-back Isabel Cup champions. Um, I think they're up to like four titles. and They've been dominating the past couple the of years. The only Boston after. team we like. On this uh, show. Yeah, I mean, uh, we're going to talk about the Leafs and Boston game a little later, but uh, it was just we just kind of wanted to mention that um, we can sort of get into. I say we start with all of the things to do with the, the GM meetings, because they are sort of the big story of the week. Uh, first off, Gary Bettman had a horrible sort of purple sweater and he didn't shave. He just clearly didn't care to speak to the media. Uh, first off, I like the sweater, though. Nice. Like, I was actually surprised he wore color. He can't. 
he can't pull it off. <laughs> That's a he good point. He can't pull it off like how he can't pull off running a league. Anyway, <laughs> uh, this is a, I have a little summary here from a Sportsnet article. Um, first topic, LTIR. Everyone's favorite. Uh, first off, Elliot Freeman apparently said that the GM who first brought this up at the meetings was Ken Holland. The irony. The uh, GM of the Edmonton Oilers. Isn't he the one who uh, signed Henrik Zetterberg and Pavel Datsuk to those contracts that ended up being traded to? Yes. Ah, okay. Mr. Ran a team that was a dynasty before the salary cap game. Just just wanted to double check. Yes. Yeah, that is that is the same Ken Holland. (laughs) And who is can't work the cap right now to save his life and has to make the playoffs or may lose two MVP caliber players. Including the best player in the world, but you know, what's ignore that. And the other guy is right now second in goal scoring, fighting for his second goal scoring title ever, by the way. But you know, uh, they, so uh, they, when Peter one round, by the way, yeah. they sound pretty good. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, so anyway, uh, Batman said LTIR was discussed with the GMs, but quote, nobody thinks it's been abused. Actually, let's just. I want to put a disclaimer out there. A lot of the stuff we're going to read, if it comes from Gary Bettman, I wouldn't take it too seriously um, because he says that nobody has any problems with officiating, but Kyle Dubas sort of proved that was wrong the moment he talked to the media. No, um, not according to Damon Cox. No. Um, and, and, Wasn't aggressive and, enough. Goodness gracious. Uh, by the way, sweet note. So you know yeah. how um, I want to say it's Davidson, Hughes, Alvin and who is in Anaheim Verbeek. It was their first GM meetings, right? Um, but they gave Hughes because he's like the first time executive GM. They gave him the rookie treatment of talking to the media first. And the guy to say, ah, it's up to you was Dubis. He was like, ah, oh, that's neat. And he was like, <laughs> Dubis is like, God, he's not like, he's so young. It's ridiculous. Like 36. Anyway, yeah. um, apparently, yeah, nobody thinks it's been abused. Uh, the current the concern stems from teams over the years appearing to have abused LTR in order to save cap space during the season and have those same players appear in the playoffs. And of course, Tampa Bay and all that. Um, it's uh, Batman said that the system has worked for 17 years. And after discussing it with the NHLPA, it's not a front burner issue uh, that's going to be addressed anytime soon. Some other reports have said that it's an open dialogue right now. Um, and I think some GMs, I think True Living has also sort of echoed this. I don't know if it's the party line. Um, and maybe it's a recency bias because of what happened with Tampa. And maybe because people weren't complaining too much when Chicago did it with Kane. Is that 2011? It was 2013. That's when they got Kimo Timonen and yeah. Anton Vermette. Yes. So, um, I, I don't think they're wrong that it's a recency bias thing, but, and let's be honest, if COVID didn't happen and the cap wasn't shredded right now, we're probably not talking about it. But I think Alex, one of your favorite lines is if there was a better cap system, then we wouldn't have to abuse LTIR. Yeah. I mean, cap. But, but, but like, don't you find it funny that the GMs who use the LTIR system to their advantage don't like are perfectly fine with this like i don't know it was just i saw a little bit of outrage i'm like but why like this should be it's the same as like when the 32 gms are like well i mean like it's a fast game you know how are the refs supposed to catch everything like yeah that's of course that's what they're gonna say they 
they're the they're part of the problem. Like it's but I love it's like it's not a problem, but it's being discussed at one of the biggest executive meetings of the year. Yeah, uh, but like yeah, no, I mean you I think you guys would agree if they had a soft cap. I wonder if we're having a a, a different conversation or if we're having this conversation at all. The only conversation I've seen about pay in the NBA was Skip Bayless complaining that Kobe Bryant was making too much money. And since then, I've never really seen it complained about. Maybe some stuff with Pascal Siakam, because I think he, correct me if I'm wrong, doesn't he have a max deal? I believe so. But he, right, Daniel? He got the max? Yeah, I think that's also too, like, also in like basketball as well, just is basketball, baseball as well, right? Like there is the luxury tax, something I always will advocate for yes. in a soft cap era, if that yes. ever happened to the NHL. But it was more of like, they weren't really, I think in that situation, you weren't really looking at, oh, look how much money we're giving this guy is overpaid. It's like free agency becomes more of like an arms race. If, if I'm like, what it should be, if I'm being like quite honest, I think that you still have like that, quote unquote overpayment on July 1st when it's a regular non-COVID schedule. Mm-hmm. But it's nothing like how the other leagues are where like if you look at baseball right now, they just got out of the lockout and the the amount of money they're throwing at guys and not just the big markets like the Colorado Rockies, which is supposed to be a rebuilding team, gave Chris Bryant over like $200 million. It's insane. I know nothing about baseball, but that threw me for a loop. <laughs> this is the one thing I know about baseball is uh, like the NHL, it has a horrible commissioner that no one likes. And it also hates disciplining players properly. Remember the Dodgers? And it's media. Remember uh, Ken Rosenthal? Yeah. Yeah. Officiating. Uh, Director of Officiating Stefan Welcome gave a presentation to the GMs on how officials are trained critiqued, etc. But nothing was discussed regarding the recent controversial calls. Bettman said there was, quote, no pushback whatsoever on the officiating presentation. The presentation, I'm sure that's, okay. What's really funny about this, by the way, is um, apparently before the presentation, the GMs were reminded that if they were to criticize officiating publicly, they'd be fined. Now, we know someone who sort of uh, uses the term oppressive in a bit of a joking fashion at some point. Um, but I wonder who that is. I, that's, that's not, but um, <laughs> we're not going to name names. No. I, I feel like it's kind of, it's not talked about enough that you can't criticize officials. Like, or you have to be so tongue in cheek about it. Like Landeskog had to be like, I don't have a problem like finding Tortorella when he loses his mind, but like Bruce Cassie in the playoffs last year, did that deserve a fine? Mm. Like you, you have to be, you have to allow criticism. I'm not saying you attack a guy, but criticism. Come on now. It, it, you guys it, see? Sorry, go ahead, go ahead. I want to. No, I, I was just gonna say it's even more ridiculous the fact that. Um. Okay. Fine. You don't want to have the referees available after the game to the. 30 report i like i guess depending what city you're in if it's montreal or toronto in canada it's going to be like 30 reporters um okay i guess but the nba has uh, i think it's the last two minute report right daniel yeah like why don't we have like hey guys i made a mistake 
Like if you own up to your mistake and say, here's where we went wrong and this is what we're going to do next time. Like, I don't think we're at, I'm asking for too much. I'm asking for kind of the bare minimum. Like it's just, it's kind of ridiculous. Alex, you're so, asking for too much transparency right there. That's it. And from NHL GMs. Uh, so just wait, just to get the context. So yeah. that two minute report, if if I'm if I remember if I know this properly, what it is so at the end of the game, the refs will give a report for any missed calls in the last two minutes of the game. Is right, that basically Daniel? what it is? Yeah, yeah. Okay, I believe okay. so. Yeah. Very good. Very good. Um. Very good. Very good. Very good. Probably explains in the name. There's also like like the next day sometimes too. Like there's videos put out by the NBA saying like this was a missed call upon review from like the last game. It, it just. They mess up. If anything, if you give a ref a chance to sort of show their point of view, you can make them look more human, I think. You know what I mean? Like, I give them a chance. I think by not allowing them to speak, I think you just kind of box in officials on their own. You know what I mean? I, I don't know if I'm if I'm off base there, but I just I don't like that. You know, um, that was one of the negotiations in the MLB CBA that was rejected by the league was a uh, robo umpires. Ah, isn't everyone so, like maybe you should have that? I don't know if you could do that in hockey. Ah, no, it's ah. that that would be very difficult. I can imagine. They had the uh, what's that thing again? Where it's like the what's the tracker things like when it's the Olympic record and then like you have to follow it when it's like the sprinters, um, just back and forth. Then you just put that back and forth on the rink. Um, no trade clauses. Uh, it looks that the now center registry will probably build up a database for contracts that include information to do with no trade clauses. This is as a result of the Afghani dead on all stuff. This may be hindsight, but is it not really weird to think that, and apparently that's you have agents and it's like less eyes on who exactly is on your trade list. How in the world were some parts of the NHL like inner systems not having no trade lists? You know what I mean? I just again, I, I'm a victim of criticizing in hindsight a lot on this podcast, but this just feels like something that listen, they, they've soon to be. It looks like they're mending it quickly, but how the hell did this happen? It's still such a question to do with the Donov. I'd be curious to get your your opinions on this. Um... I was listening. I think it was Frank Cervelli who who made the who made the argument. An insider, by the way, said he doesn't think uh, no trade lists should be um, a part of central registry because he worries that they're going to get leaked. Um, and I, he said that that's unfair to the player because you're now putting them in a, a poor situation where if this gets leaked, you know, let's say. Uh, Evgeny Dodonov doesn't want to come to Canada. Now, I mean, we all know no one wants to come to Canada, but um, the the it's a bad look on the players. I like. Do you? I mean, do you agree with that idea that like you know it'd be leaked and it's a bad look on the players? And it, how would you combat that? Like, I have an idea, but. I'd like to hear your idea first. I think for me, so go ahead, Dan. No, I think for me, it's just, I don't know. Like, I know that uh, it would be a bad thing if that thing got leaked. But at the same time, I then I might be wrong. I probably am. I might be wrong here, but it's just, it's the same, I guess, repercussions if 
a star player nixes a trade with his no trade clause. Like, you know, the Edmonton Oilers have never, like Edmonton Oilers fans have never forgiven Danny Healy for refusing a trade there. I, I, I don't think Brian Murray to his grave forgave Danny Healy for nixing that trade. So, uh, you know, I, I think of it perspective again. If I was a player, I wouldn't want it out there because imagine if you're this superstar player and you have like, – I don't see Anaheim fans complaining if Getty Zanoff didn't want to go. Or I think we know that it's the Californian teams. Yeah, it was uh, a tax. First, yeah. Uh, first off, um, okay, do a better job or do a good job of keeping it internal. Like, that's just – sorry. Like, okay – this is you've clearly seen that it doesn't work as is because it, the incidents happen, right? And right. not to mention, we've known for months Josh Manson had teams like Toronto on his list, so this right. stuff gets out eventually. Mm-hmm. Um, but personally, I'm going to contradict myself here. Would I want it out there? No, I would probably like to. You have to have you also have to find this medium because would I want it out there? No, but if I'm a player, the Evgeny Dodonov stuff has clearly shown me that we need to have that extra step. But sure. I would be worried because if it comes out that I like I don't want to go to one of these Canadian teams, I can guarantee you they are going. Them and their families are going to get so harassed. 100%. I can already. Yeah. I can. I can imagine the radio hits now. Oh, oh, oh a thousand, uh, a thousand percent. But I think, I guess from Frank's per, like for me at least, if Frank's worry is that the insiders will leak the information when they get it, uh and I, I guess this is a lot easier said than done, but don't like tell me that they're only telling us the inform all the information they have. I do not believe with an ounce that they're telling us all the information they have. They know much more than I think they tell us, but it's not all confirmed. I get it. There's the there's certain. Uh, media members who would do it anyways, but but it's going to happen re- whether it's in the central registry or not. Like you said, we all knew Josh Manson didn't want to come to Toronto. He also didn't want to go to Carolina at first and then was more open to that. Didn't know about that. Weird. Yeah, I think he was on the list, but would have would have waived to go to Carolina. So I mean, you don't necessarily have to leak that information. I know people will do it, but you don't necessarily have to if it makes the process so much easier. And do you know what they would respond to you with? And I hate this argument, public interest. And okay. I'm like, I, I don't I don't like it. Uh, so if, if it's public interest, we should know anyways, is how I would respond, right? My like, response to me would be like, okay, public interest, how much money do you as an insider make? I want to know. And then it's like, ah, no. Mm, if I could right. ask Elliot Freeman anything, I want to know how much. You can do. <sighs> nah, I don't know. We the, can't, maybe we can't. he's on the sunshine list. We don't know. Uh, I don't think so. What's that, the that, sunshine that's, list? That, that's people who make uh, over $100,000 in Canada, but they're public companies. Oh, okay. okay. So yeah. like colleges, universities, uh are any of those the, government. the Ryerson name committee things we can find is, out? Is Elliot a no lecturer idea. somewhere? I, uh, I lo- <laughs> no, I don't think I don't think Elliot's on that list. <laughs> I just I just I'd like to know. I'd like to know. But yeah, no, it's 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 such a 
Yeah, just don't report. You know what I'm never going to give Frank Saravelli for? Forgive him for? Uh, the man ruined the expansion draft. Yeah. Like, the man killed it. And it's like, ah, oh, we got to report. No, dude. We were all excited to watch the expansion draft. I mean, the, the, the production still sucked, but it was everyone was excited and just ripped it apart. It was but, t- but it would have been so much more exciting if we didn't know who each team was going, if who they were going to take from each team. I almost we can like I can make that a money back guarantee that if we didn't know they were taking, I don't know, Jared McCann or Mark Giordano. It would have been well. We kind of knew Mark Giordano, but it would have yeah. been so much more exciting. There you know what I wished happened? What Seattle just started picking up guys that were like not reported. Right. I, I wanted that to happen. Right. <laughs> do they and they they do take uh they do take Kerfoot like the original fish video yeah. said. <laughs> man, you gotta you gotta forget the trade deadline. Kevin Weeks doing all those videos back then. The man. Man, I, I want to see his Wikipedia page and I want to see what acting credits that man has because he probably <laughs> is more than we think. It's incredible. Uh, the cap is going up a million dollars. Bill Guerin is happy. Party. Yeah. yeah, let's go. Going to get a nice fourth liner. Can't wait for him to get waived a month into the season. Can't wait for that to happen. Uh, but in, in other news, it seems to be that um, by the 24-25 season, uh, that's when escrow should be paid off by the players. And which means we could have a significant cap jump by then. Now that's kind of significant because I wanted to quickly get up Toronto and Montreal's cap friendly pages because both teams actually have very fascinating cap situations by then. Uh, And we can start with, um, hold on, let me get them both open on either page. There's Montreal, there is Toronto. So if we look at the 24, 25 off season, there are two significant players on the uh, Toronto Maple Leafs that will need new contracts, and they're both probably going to need raises, especially the first one. Austin Matthews and William Nylander. Mitch Marner is up the year after that, uh, as is John Tavares, who I'm starting to think is not going to finish his career as a Leaf, but uh, that's just me. Um, but yeah. What, what makes you think that? Uh, just like looking how much longer it is. I'm just like, I don't know about that. That's just, that screams something dubious would, would move on from like, think good. No offense to Tavares, but I just, I just think of what's Tavares going to be like in four more years. I don't know. I just, well, I mean, is- it depends on what person you ask in Toronto. They'll give you a completely different answer. <laughs> He'll sign for the discount to, to be uh, the, uh, <laughs> the voice in the, in the locker room. Oh, so the last three years, his signing bonus is down below $8 million. So that could probably help, Um, you know, no, I'm just saying, like maybe yeah, like yeah. that is there. The Leafs are not; they're so competitive, but there is that sort of reset that every like everyone sort of like the Penguins had those few down years, and by down years, I mean they're still there. But you know what I mean? Yeah. It's maybe there's a bit of a reset, and before that big free agency, um, Montreal. Uh, let me just get this up. Hoffman would be gone. Dvorak would be gone. Hoffman's contract is obviously going to be gone by then. Um, you, Jeff Petrie's contract would be gone by then. David Savard's deal would be gone by then. And both Carey Price and Shea Weber's contracts would be up by then. So depending on the, that's pretty decent for both teams. It's uh, it's going to make the Leafs that much easier to sign Austin Matthews. He's not going to Arizona. And uh, that's just a lot of opportunity for the Habs to start getting a little, little nuts. People are sitting there where they want Claude Giroux. I'm like, no, don't, don't do that. No, don't do it. Don't do it. Don't. <laughs> eight years. Eight years. Stay away from the light. No, go to Ottawa. Go to Ottawa, please. How oh, dare you? It's weird. 
Um, beside that, also looking at the GM meetings, uh, Sheldon Kennedy and Ken Davis were both at the GM meetings. Um, we all know about Sheldon Kennedy's program with the teams. Um, now, apparently so far, the only team that's actually fully completed in Canada are the Jets. I... I oh I, I it's weird that I don't want to give Shevel Day off any credit, but I'm not surprised that Shevel Day off's team is the one that's got it done. Yeah. Apparently, by the June 30 target date, all the Canadian teams should have it done. Also, apparently, uh, the program requires some some uh, tweaks in some U.S. jurisdictions, which was like okay. Um, but a step forward in that side of things. Something good that came out of the Kyle Beat situation. Not much did. Um, but yeah, that's good to see progress and, uh, in a. I mean, like to credit the at the NHL, I guess expectations progress. Yes. You did it, guys. Great. Yeah, when when you set the bar nice and low, it's actually really easy to achieve your goals. Now get a sexual harassment and a domestic violence policy in and all that kind of stuff. Oh no, but it's case by case. Yeah, it's it's, it's very like I, I'm. I'll give the the teams credit, I guess, for wanting to do it um but like you guys said follow through where the like the actions okay so if it actually happens are you going to handle this properly i think that's what like it's great all so many companies have it and um then don't have these rules and then don't follow through with them when you know it it does happen in their workplace um mm-hmm. so I guess for me, like, sorry if I'm not very impressed, but like, come on, this this should have been done years ago. <laughs> I think we can be happy for what Sheldon Kennedy is getting done, I think. 100%. Um, and I think Kim Davis was also, I think she's named to part of some part of the GTHL report too. Um, so there's some steps being made there. Uh, no, it is a good point to not. You, you make a good point though of not giving them too much credit for something that should have already been in place. Like I want to say there was there's some I can't remember exactly what it is. I think it's it's something to do with inclusiveness with sexuality and how like out of date or like there are certain representatives or like a program within the league is it doesn't exist. Sarah Sivian was tweeting about it a couple of weeks ago. I cannot remember the details of it. It just struck me, but there's still a lot of sort of programs and the league are being far from perfect here um by the way little snippet little tease there is a very good article uh before we finish all the gm stuff in the athletic from arpin basu a really good sit down interview of habs gm uh can't use and they talk about a lot including diversity hires within hockey ops for the habs um and also some very very good stuff to do with logan mayu so uh go read that article 10 out of 10 would highly recommend it, by the way. Um, but finishing off talking about the GM meetings, beside the fact that Batman did confirm that um, the draft is happening in Montreal, and he was like, oh, we're going to have fans in the stands. Dirtbag. Um, hate him. Uh, the potential of the World Cup of Hockey happening in February 2014, so 2024. Uh, Batman sort of shut down everyone asking too many questions because it was too early in the process. Fair enough. Uh, one thing that was confirmed, it will only include teams of countries so there won't be team north america there won't be team europe which i remember people complaining about at the time and nowadays they're like ah boo team north america was so great i'm like okay i feel like team europe that cool jerseys uh they did have great jersey they just were boringly coached we're yeah. not well coached well that was uh that was what's his face wasn't it kruger 
Yeah. Yeah, Ralph Krueger. And then Chicken John Tortorella chips. was the US team. He, I just, I just would like to point out he added Justin Albicator on the team. I wish over I was Phil Kessel something and, right now. Yeah. <laughs> I just, w- I just wish Phil would have shut up. I wish they didn't say the country part initially, because Why? I had a fantastic joke before they said that. When I okay. think say the joke, say the. Joke. I think like Eric Angles just said there won't be any team North America team, but they didn't confirm the country part at that point of the meeting yet. Yeah, okay. and I said that they did not exclude an over thirty-five team. Okay. That could compete with that's you. A good yeah, point. yeah, that, that, I mean, that's a good point. We can call Patrick Marlowe. Yeah. I mean, and then call Mike just Babcock. Ice the San Jose Sharks. <laughs> yeah, those old bastards. Yeah, um, yeah. Okay, uh, I guess we can quickly just talk about um, just some little snippets here. Um, so the GTAHL, GTAHL for basically for those of you who don't really know about it. I guess you can kind of say in the pecking order of Canadian junior hockey, um, the big feeder league is obviously the CHL, which is, which is divided between the Q, the W, and the OHL. And then I want to say below that, honestly, probably one of the oldest leagues in hockey and probably if the CHL is that final breeding ground, the biggest sort of running ground of, of hockey talent is the GTAHL, is the GTHL. Um, of course, like the Toronto Marlboros are the team that's owned by uh, Sam Gagne and John Tavares. Um, you know, the team that guys like Tavares played for, Connor McDavid. Um, it's one of the most important leagues in the world. And um, they basically want this giant investigation into it um, to do with inclusivity. Um, because quite frankly, I think junior hockey is going through a much needed transformation right now. Um I remember a couple of years ago, the stuff of hazing in the CHL and that there's a ton of, but, and basically what this report found is I'll just read you the first little bit of it here. Uh, an independent committee formed by the GTAHL um, has found that racism and discrimination do exist in the GTAHL and that there is a need to put greater effort into promotion, uh, into promoting a culture of acceptance and inclusivity. Now I want to say that the GTHL actually have this like board of governor type things, and I think on it, it's all white men except for like one white woman, for example. Um, there, this isn't like the Jenner and Block report. You're going to hear specific stories and all that. Um, I think it's a much more tame version of saying we've got issues in this league um, and we got to fix them. I don't know if you guys agree with me there, but when I saw this report, and I think credit to Alex, I think you're the one who first sent it to us. Um, I was expecting more. Because we all know people who play in the GTHL. We've heard stuff where it's like, oh, my goodness. Um, this report was a very polite way of saying we've got a lot of issues and we need to fix it. Also, uh, this wasn't being talked about a lot today. I noticed. Is that a surprise? Yeah. I'd like to say, by the way, the numbers are pretty stark when Rick West had posted the uh, survey results. Mm-hmm. Um, I'll just name some of them. So Please do. Please do. Um. For the data, they interviewed 2,000 and yeah, 2,062 players, parents, alumni, coaches, and other stakeholders mm-hmm. with this. And 61% said that there had been incidents of being called racially insulting names. Um, what's another one? Uh, directed towards coaches or towards teammates, 79%. Um, what was it? 
um, assumed a per- an athlete's English was poor, 83%. So they, there's another ones like people were afraid to act because of the athlete and it was 83%. So like these are pretty high numbers from the survey. Mm. It was bad, man. It was, again, it wasn't, it wasn't ugly to read. And fair warning, it's like 120 pages or something. Um, but it just shows there's just a level of pro- it, it, it gets more and more difficult to say, oh, no, hockey's a fun sport. <laughs> and it's like, oh, hockey culture's not that. Yeah, it is. It's pretty bad. It's, it's another example. Um, I remember when I had that interview for an assignment with Taylor Griffin. He's the editor-in-chief right now of the eye-opener. And it's the same conversation that we're having again now. We're like, you know, like any for people, like, I guess for the background, like Tyler was like a pretty good junior player. Um he had NCAA offers before he decided to come to Ryerson for journalism. And like, he gave up hockey, but he even mentioned too, like what he wants to see in here. And he wants the biggest change he wants to see is it always starts at the junior level. He talked about the high hockey diversity Alliance, but he's like, at that point, that's just, you know, that's just further along. Like you have to get to the source of things. Mm -hmm. I've heard that Tyler fell out of love with hockey from people before. So that that makes sense. I want to see part of this committee too. I want to say the Subans were involved, not just PK, yeah. but his dad too, who I think is, I think is, there's stories where I think Stephen Stamkos, his father, had to like defend PK once when they were kids because PK was getting attacked for his race, um, like not physically. I think it was like a verbal thing on him. So you can obviously tell that's a family. Look what happened with Jordan earlier this year in the East AHL. I think we was playing with. Um, it's obviously a case very clear and dear to their heart. I wanted to mention that because I know before we've talked about why is PK Subban like not involved with the HDA? Um, but clearly the family is still involved at a very grassroots level. And we when when everything sort of fell out with the George Floyd stuff and and um like the stuff within sports, we always talked about the grassroots level of it. So it's good to see that at least we'll see how they follow through with it, but that the GTHO has at least taken that first step. There's another uh partnership that the gthl also just announced recently um it's with hockey equality so that's the charity run by anthony stewart that's cool i like that there's um there's a problem right like it's it's quite evident Mm -hmm. um i i don't like i mean this in a respectful way i don't think we needed the report to know that right i think the report confirmed it I just, I think we kind of all knew it. And I think they stayed kind of stated it at the beginning with, you know, um, hockey participation numbers are declining. That's not good for the sport. Uh, and especially for a province and a, a, an area that fact produces a crap ton of hockey players, right? The GTA produces crap ton of hockey players um and and i think it, it's it is the whole point of the report is to prove that this is one of the reasons that people aren't interested in playing hockey it's not the only reason it's one of them and i'm sure it's a significant one like something needs to be done i i'm like i get like i just i'm kind of tired of hearing the it is what it is. Mm-hmm. It's not. 
it's not it is what it is we can clearly do something about it and like if we're not going to do something about it we're clearly choosing to be ignorant on the situation on the situation mm-hmm. while uh lots of people pour lots of money into other sports hockey's going to be left behind mm-hmm. and and it's going to be because we didn't do something years ago Parents will sacrifice a lot for their children, right? Um, and we know yeah. hockey's not a, not a financial like it's it's not it's not cheap to play. Um, but yeah, I think it would be that much more difficult for a parent if their kids weren't welcome there. And listen, you know, I've talked about this before. I, I've been to a lot of like minor hockey games, and especially when I was younger. Um, and the things I heard at those games, I can't repeat on this podcast. Um, and there were, there were pretty important member, like members of my family who were part of that and were, I heard things like tossed at them, which I, I can't repeat here. Um, it was just, it was bull crap and I can't say the name, but for example, the parents of one of those kids, they, their, their kid is now a member of an NHL team. Um, for example, he played in the world junior team too. Um, and uh, I hate to be like this, but, you know, they, they were white, too. Um, I mean, not to mention, we talked about, like, there's, like, no diversity on most NHL teams. Like, oh, I think we had an exercise where we tried to guess, like, how many visible minorities were in the league, and I don't think we even got past 10. So, <laughs> I mean, the HDA right now before Evander Kane left might have had a majority of colored, like, of active colored players on it. Um, it's just, sorry if you can hear the dog, uh, he's losing it. Uh, it's just, you just hope it, it gets better because it's a, it's such a good sport. It's so much fun. And the good stories you hear about hockey are so good, but it's just, it continues to be overshadowed. I, I think you guys could all agree. Um, the last, I don't know, 24 months, let's call it pretty much just pre-pandemic kind of around around that time has not been great for no. the sport i think it's like it's been mentally draining to read thing after thing after thing that has happened and i mean for me at least kyle beach was very much a, a tipping point like it's it's exhausting yeah because i think i i don't think i think the three of us look at least the three of us, obviously there's more than just the three of us at a different way than maybe the people uh, running the best hockey league in the world. They, we look at things clearly quite differently than them. So it's frustrating when things happen and aren't dealt with properly. And it feels in a way, not that we're left with the brunt, but like we're left having to talk about it and them not doing anything about it when they should be, when everyone else is saying you should do this, this, and this. And it's not like we're throwing completely unreasonable things their way either, by the way. And they do none of it. It's like, we have to twist their arm to bring Sheldon Kennedy in. We have to twist their arm to open up a hot, an an anonymous hotline. We have to twist their arm to do anything it's exhausting it very much is and it's hard to keep watching and watching and watching and watching as they clearly clearly don't care about us like they don't even care about canada let a like 
And so that's one thing, but this is a completely different thing. This is even harder to watch than watching the commissioner of the NHL clearly not care about the country that makes him the most money. He, he, he doesn't care about like any level of it. Again, the, the biggest criticism of Gary Bettman um, is, and I think of his entire career was the post Kyle beach press conference. He did with Bill Daly on zoom. And the lack of emotional intelligence term I've used again on the podcast here. Um, and I you know, sort of learned that term from, you know, people criticizing Batman. And even if it starts at the grassroots level, you know, who can help that grassroots level, uh, the guy, at the very tippity top. <laughs> and uh, listen, like, Aside from Jeremy Jacobs, of course, um, Gary Bettman's the very top of the totem pole. So, um, uh, yeah, I guess I, or, you know, you can throw Kim Davis because she's a big part of it, Gary. But, you know, you need to and she's doing she's doing work, but keep going. Uh, OK. Uh, we'll finish off another tough turn. I'm sorry that sorry for anyone listening, but um, Toronto and Montreal are favorite teams. Uh, we can start with Montreal because I know there are least fans listening who want to talk about the Taylor Hall thing, but we're going to make them wait. Because it's a tease. Um, the Habs had a game against Florida that was very messy. Um, best listen to Jake Evans. Apparently, he's day-to-day after the incident. Mackenzie Weger, you're a loser. Um, but the biggest highlight I want to talk about, did you guys see what was being posted on Habs Twitter? Yeah. So, for those of you who didn't see it, the, uh, the Montreal admin, the social media admin, this person is great, put two different videos of, of the Habs at the beach. And one of them, they're like, they're playing in the water, right? And I have never seen a more thirsty Twitter thread in my life. I could not believe what I was seeing. And the admin knew what they were doing, but it was, it, people were like, ah, oh, they're having fun again. Like the kids at the beach. I'm sure after the game, they weren't doing well. So no one got any gummy bears. No one got <laughs> any ice cream or anything. But man, it was, it was just um, the things people were saying about Joss Anderson shirtless. I was like, oh no, we are. We need to calm down, people. Um, but yeah, no, the Habs lost, and they still have Carolina and Tampa on this road trip. So they've lost two games so far. They got to lose two more. That sounds like loads of fun. It was uh, those two games just going to be loads of fun. It was, goals. It was oh yeah, it, well, it was four one Florida, and then Montreal eventually tied it up. It was four one near the end of the second, and I'm like, I can stop watching this and I can watch the Colorado Calgary game, and then by nine o'clock it was four four, and I'm like, okay, never mind. Guess I'm not. And then they got nothing happened in the third period, so it was a waste of time. But uh, Jordan Harris should be playing some time on this road trip, apparently, which is pretty sick to see. He had his press conference uh, today. He seems like a very down to earth dude. Mm-hmm. Did you guys see Cole Caulfield and apparently and Chantel McAbee had this conversation that Chantel was talking about? Yes. How the old Habs regime would say to Cole, just go out and spew out <laughs> hockey cliches and don't show your personality. Oh. And then Chantel takes over and says, no, go be you. It's just, the version of it was so bad. If the TikTok thinks I, I love Sidney Crosby, I can't imagine what they say about me and Bergeron, but yeah. I think most people are quite on board with. Uh, they probably agree with you, yeah, Adam. Mark Bergeron. Did not do the Habs a whole lot of favors. Oh, There's, I, I still see them. I still see the Bergevin lovers kind of sprinkled around there. It's usually around one person's profile, but uh, yeah. there's a certain Twitter person that I, everyone. I feel about. like I feel like we all all know. 
There's still the Bergevin loyalists out there monitoring our social media. I mean, look at all these players. I'm like, sure, but look at all the all the other things that he Oh, yeah, Cole's screwed. great. Yeah, look at what happened with the coach that had him. Look what he did Wait. in the first half of the year. Like, did he not did, – did Cole Caulfield essentially not fall to 15? He did, yeah, he did. Okay, yeah, he, okay, he, he, okay. He should have gone top okay, 10. Okay, okay. Remember when so, Flyers fans thought they had him? Yeah. Like, oh, no. Cam, they got him for his leadership, Cam. <sighs> yeah, yeah, I think Philly need a lot more than it's, leadership uh, right now. <laughs> By the way, um, why did Jordan Harris pick 54? Because that's the first time I've seen a player, and correct me if I'm wrong, that's the first time I've seen a player wear that since Bobby Ryan in his rookie year. I couldn't tell you. It's it's just, but he got to choose it because okay. they used to be assigned numbers by Bergman because dinosaur. I have no idea why, but I remember the last half to wear 54. I saw them like that's a defenseman's number. It's like when it's it's better than goalies wearing fifties. Those are just weird. Um, and just a quick thing on the Habs: Joshua Waugh has signed an ELC. Uh, the guy is second in Q scoring. I think he's at like ninety-two points. Uh, apparently, he was like two months away from being a twenty twenty-two pick, and the Montreal got him in the six. Imagine this was his draft year. Oh, goodness. Um, yeah. And hopefully he gets a look at the World Juniors in the summer because he didn't make the team. Yeah. I was going to predict that. I'm like, I think he should make it. Okay. I want to play a little game here because I found the stat. There are there have been three players that have worn number 54 for the Montreal Canadiens. Are they like recent? Or like- they're actually all within like the 21st century, actually. Oh. Charles Houdon. That is good. That is one. David Dayarnay? No. Is he 50? Colby Armstrong? No. Mike uh, Johnson? No. Wait, so, how many are there overall? There's three. So, you have okay, two so, more. So, yeah. So, Charles Houdon. Yeah. Recently, who the heck? Well, Junior Archer? Legend, by the okay, way. Okay. Well, okay. So, the, the two players that are left were with the Habs between 2000 and 2010. Charles Houdon was the only recent one. Okay, I, I'm, okay. I'm, I'm um, down up here. Maybe one of the the Kostitsins. I don't know. Um, Jan Bullis. No, do you want me to just tell you? Uh, Patrick Traverse. I don't know if I'm saying that right. It might be. Pa- Patrick Traverse. Traverse. Uh-huh. We'll go with. And Mikhail Grabowski. Oh, what? my God. In 2008. <laughs> oh, yeah. He wore 54. Oh, wow. Whenever he was on the Leafs, he was 54 on the Leafs, right? Yeah. I no, 58. So. I'll double check real quick, but I just, there's been those guys who have played. I will always he, remember the contract Brian Burke gave him in Toronto. He was actually 84 with the Leafs. 84, okay. <laughs> <laughs> I was not even close. Yeah, it was close, close enough. Well, there's an eight in there. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, so Saturday, the Leafs lose to Montreal. Jake Allen, as we said on the show. Uh, then they go out and beat Boston 6-4. It was 6-1. And my friend was like, I can't wait to see Boston win this game. Like, they're not going to. And I saw it was 6-4 with two minutes left. I'm like, maybe. You have no idea what I was thinking. The words uh, I cannot say. So, an eventful game, which it's really funny what now that we there was a week where, like, what's happening in the Atlantic, and a week later, Boston are back in the wild card. Florida are still in first, and Tampa and Toronto are still fighting for second and third. So nothing changed. Any night where Toronto, Tampa, and Boston all play, the next day the the Atlantic could look completely different. It's and I think they still have a ton of matchups to go to. 
Yeah. It's hilarious. Flor- they still play Florida like two or three more times. Insane. Um, I'd have to double check with the other teams because for I whatever reason. Tampa's in there and another Boston. Oh, yeah, Washington probably. in there too. Yeah, there is. You know, yeah, I should know that. <laughs> you should. You should know that. Um, yeah, they play Tampa one, two, two more times. Florida two more times in Boston. <laughs> uh, they play Boston last game of the season. Actually, I am there. That w- that's going to be a good game. Is there? Okay, so they could. Yeah, so it's still tight. Uh, which of you put the McAvoy Lindholm? Me. So what, what's it about? Are they Have they been yucky? They've been yucky. I love. I am so mad that they got Hampus Lindholm. I've never been more mad at the Boston Bruins. Genuinely, I've never been more mad. I it's just it's, it's such a good pairing. I it's, saw some oh. tweets about, it and I was like, "Oh goodness gracious, that's not nice." Their first game against Tampa, that's like it might be the first best game pairing ever. Exactly. Like they were so good. Oh, it's like, hey, so you know how we Krug and Char and they're gone now. Doesn't matter. matter. It doesn't matter. Hampus Lindholm has arrived. Oh, so mad. But whatever. Um, yeah, I put that note down because that pairing is going to be a pain to play against. A pain. Correct me if I'm wrong, but there's also another new arrival, isn't there? Or an old revival come back to life? Because I believe Michael Hutchinson was called up, was he not? Was he? Uh, oh, yeah, yeah. So, <laughs> I, so I, Pat Morazic is hurt again. Uh, unfortunately, what an unlucky season for this poor guy. What's up with Campbell? I thought he should have been back by now. He's upgraded to day to day from the rib injury now. So I am I am more than okay with them taking their time with Campbell. I've had about enough of injured goalies playing. I mean, so it's going to be Shulgren and Hutchinson. Sure. Okay. You know what? I'm on the Shalgren train. I had this discussion like, like two weeks ago with someone after he played like three games. I'm like, I don't know if I'm convinced yet. Just let it happen. Just when, let it happen until Jack Campbell comes back. When can we start calling Shalgren the monster 2.0? Like Jonas Gustafson? Daniel, yes, he's right been around now, for a sneeze. Jonas, yeah, but so had Jonas Gustafson, uh, I think. But Let's see. I'm 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 fine. I'm fine. He's also wearing number fifty, so I'm like, okay, that works. I'm good with you calling him that. Um, Listen, it's not an ideal situation, but I like I said like two episodes ago, they've had below average goaltending in every month except one, and they're still that high up, which makes no sense to me. The, The Atlantic just. When it gets bad, it gets bad. Oh, I think New Jersey are officially to, out or so they're close to it. Montreal, to all the like Leafs it. critics out there, they are score outscoring their problems. Oh, 100%. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's never been that's never yes. not been their thing. Um, but yeah, that game, that game was a, a mess. So, I was going to say something else, but I couldn't. So, so what happened? Because I was watching a mess in Florida. What was what was the mess in Toronto? Or was it well, Boston? Where have you heard this before? Uh, the refs didn't really have, didn't just do their job. Okay. I, I saw the Taylor Hall thing. Hmm? How in the world was that not a suspension? 
like Peros, man. I don't know. I don't know. I, I'm that. You know what? I like that was like the last thing on my mind. I actually, I think I texted it last night. I saw a man get tripped. I saw Riley trip someone on my television right over there. Nothing. So they lost control of the game. Yeah, I, I mean, kind of like they tried to regain it when like they gave Brad Marchand a 10 minute game of misconduct for talking to the ref, which like if anyone's crying about that, have you looked at the NHL ever? He's like, definitely on the list, though. He, he's Brad Marchand. Oh, 100 percent. 100 percent on the list. That guy's talked way too much smack publicly. They do not like it. I Not that I agree with with uh, with the league's way they would handle that it's just what am i yeah. supposed to do about it mm-hmm. um yeah but yeah that was that was a messy game. i don't know i thought it was a suspension but i don't know if i'm allowed to say that because twitter has been an absolute nightmare uh today <laughs> it wasn't let's get people something very straight it wasn't Bertuzzi. no more? there was like, like 10 people who said that like i'm like <laughs> that was a criminal case yeah, that was that was a malicious like like that was the most blindside thing ever. Apparently, Hall was also taken down before the play, which actually yeah, kind of makes it worse. He got pushed into the boards. Yeah, yeah, yeah no, which is also makes it worse for Hall because that's red mist, which Kadri would get twenty games for. <laughs> um, but like that is not Steve Moore. I think it was. It, it's Moore. not Steve Moore Petruzzi. No. Like, shut no, up! Stop. It is not stop. that. I'm not. You should have got suspended, but it was not. No, it was not like, that. The like the most malicious thing in NHL history, like that. Yeah. Was. Shut up. Yeah. Um. The the I I I feel like we have every time someone gets suspended or doesn't get suspended, it always comes from a retaliate uh, retaliatory hit or something. Again, like I think we should reiterate this. Was Labushkin's hit a penalty? or a little bit more probably. Yeah, definitely. They miss that. But again, that doesn't give them, that doesn't give Taylor Hall the now, now the right to retaliate. I think Adam, you used the example. Like, yeah, like you, you still did it. Um, So you, you can't, you can't be doing that. I didn't mean to shoot a man, but I shot him. So do you, okay, okay. Do you want to hear this extremely like weird comparison? Sure. Okay, Chris Rock made that joke, right? We're not gonna <laughs> talk. We're not gonna oh. talk about. We're not gonna talk about. We're not gonna talk about. It. I'm gonna make the analogy. Chris Rock. Chris Rock made that joke. Was it a little out of hand? Probably, but like that doesn't mean Will Smith could have gone up there and slapped him, right? Like it's just. <laughs> I had come on guys I I know like I had to bring that up at some point I felt it was necessary but that's all I'll say um like you can't do that right uh the first thing was bad probably that doesn't mean you can do the second bad thing can't, should you should you be making jokes about hair even though I, GI Jane joke but yeah what makes it worse is a few seconds before Will Smith was laughing but clearly he saw he saw his wife upset he realized oh no I got to make this up. You know, should you slap people? No. Do I kind of respect Will Smith for standing up for his wife? Of course I do. But as Alex says, two things can be right. Or in this case, both people can be in the wrong. 
Exactly. Mm-hmm. Is it true Will Smith's wife? I'm sorry, I don't know her name. I'm not <laughs> Jada Pinkett Smith. Smith. Yes. Is it true that she voices the hippo in Madagascar? Yes. Oh, so really? I saw people make jokes that Madagascar Four is never going to happen. Yeah, which is a shame. I really love. I have yeah. seen the first Madagascar so much. That's uh, the only thing yeah. I know Chris Rock for is that zebra. Well, I can tell you this. I, I hope you guys get this joke. I threw it to so I told it to someone. They didn't get it, but I don't think uh, Will Smith will be in in any Adam Sandler movies. Oh yeah, I saw that because of the tweet I, of Adam Sandler is like, "Oh, you're doing great, buddy." Listen, I tweeted that. I said that before he tweeted that. Adam, do you get the uh, get the joke? No. Do you want me to explain it to you? Please. Okay, so Chris Rock, like Adam Sandler, he loves his friends. Like he'll he'll put his friends in everything. Good brother, Adam. Good. He's he's a. I love him. Um, and Chris Rock is very is friends with Adam Sandler. I don't know if you've seen Grown Ups, the movie one and two. Is there a third one, Daniel? I don't even know. For which one? Grown Ups. Uh, let me check. I don't think so, but okay. whatever. Anyway, yeah. They're in it. It's like him, Kevin James, David Spade, whoever. So Adam Sandler will not be working with Will Smith. Okay, that joke didn't land. I'm sorry, guys. That's fine. <laughs> I, I do it all the time. <laughs> Um, <laughs> let's move on okay oh, yeah, there are yeah. yeah there are only two grown-ups okay okay uh, good 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 that's fine. i just like to say by the way this movie made 271 million wait, wait, wow wait. two grown-ups like any parenting unless you're will smith who's like oh. <laughs> <laughs> oh there you go hey something else oh, him and scotty pippen okay. have in common isn't it <laughs> well fine i guess we are gonna talk about it i didn't think we were gonna do that but okay <laughs> I don't watch the Oscars because who cares? But- I didn't watch the Oscars either, but like people were te- like people who I'm like, were probably not going to text me about the Oscars texted me about the Oscars. The, the I was that- shocked. I like, I was just shocked when I was watching it. I thought it was like, I, normally I'm a pretty global person, but even I was like, I kind of hope this is fake. But then, then, then you know, when, when you start seeing uh, Denzel's condoling him, like, yeah. okay, I, what is this? Oh, I was Denzel's just, sho- I, I know about that. I was shocked that Licorice Pizza did not win Best Picture. <laughs> don't even, I, I don't even know if you're messing with me or is that a real movie? No, it's a real movie. I've never it's heard a... of any of the movies that get put up okay. for Best Picture. I, I thought it was fake when he went up and slapped him. I thought he was fake. I thought it was fake until he sat down. And yelled at him. When I, I couldn't hear the audio anymore, and I thought my TV was broken. I thought, yeah, that's when I'm like, okay, there's this is real. like there's acting, but I saw it in his eyes. That's more performance than Will Smith has put into any of his movies. Oh. There's one thing I'd like to say, by the way. Okay, like I'm not gonna mention any of the other really bad tweets, but the one tweet made me laugh where what? it's like confirming it was fake. Um, there were there were clearly two actors involved in the situation. <laughs> Yes, that's fair. There, there were some, there were some rough tweets in there. There were some. They were, they're pretty rough. Uh, okay, yeah. <laughs> let's go back to the tweets. Yeah. Okay, I yeah. feel like this isn't a conversation. <laughs> feel like this oh, yeah, isn't a conversation Pizza, for good, us. Good movie. It makes you nostalgic for the seventies again. Uh, um. So, uh, George Carlos is, is bad at his job. Um. You know, despite all that, like Will I, Smith is a bad actor. Well, I'm, so oh. I'm done. I'm done. <laughs> I'm done. I'm done. I loved him in Men in Black. So. I thought he was a good actor. Um, but the it, I was listen. You know, we you had think that his wife was mad no. when he cheated on her with Margot Robbie. No. Just I'm sorry, I'm honestly done. I'm done. I'm done. <laughs> like, oh, Steve, no. like Steve Dangle. Um, uh, what was I going to say? I lost my train of thought. 
Uh, no, I remember. So we had the controversy, you know, how everyone was like, oh, this is a playoff game. No, this is a playoff game. No, nah, that was a playoff game. Okay. I don't want to hear it. That was a playoff game. Um, like, phys- like physically, the way they play physically, like that's Boston is going to show up in the playoffs. That's the, bo- like, maybe not the goaltending, but physically that that's the Boston that's going to show up in the playoffs. Who was in that for Boston? Uh, Swayman and then Allmark. Ah, that's um, yeah, fair and and you know what? I thought the Leafs kept up quite well, considering like when they get pushed around, they don't really show up, um, or they kind of hide under a rock. But they didn't do that last night, which is the most frustrating thing in the world, because like they John. Okay, let, I'll preface it with this: John Tavares was melding off to Brad Marchand. Let me repeat that. John Tavares was melding off to Brad Marchand. What? John Tavares has like, I didn't know he had a confrontational bone in his body. You know, it is what it is, guys. That's his type. That's uh, that's uh, part of his game. And, uh, you know, I just made sure it didn't bother me. I wish he was mic'd up. I really do. I need to know what he said. Because I've never heard him scream before. That's the thing. Like his voice is so low. I just oh, you know, uh, front, front foot, foot, uh, foot, uh, foot. Uh, uh, yeah, yeah. Who has right. a deeper voice, him or Kawhi? Oh, it's uh, Kawhi, Kawhi, Kawhi for sure. Kawhi oh no, sure. Scotty Pippen. <laughs> I felt that I needed the contract because I had to provide for my family. Yeah. But there's Morgan for sorry. They the. That team, can it just show up every night? Like, you know how Sheldon Keefe is like, I take that game 80 to I take that game 82 more times. Yes. Please. Please. I'll take it 78 times and don't play the other four against Montreal well. Sure. Yeah. Like I'll take that. Just please. Just do like even against Florida, where maybe it wasn't the most physical game per se. But like, can you please play like, like, why do you, how on earth, what other team continuously doesn't show up against the worst teams in the league? Um, that's a good question. Uh, the Rangers have had a few stinkers and a lot of comebacks. Sorry, Mike, not really. Um, so it's probably like that. It's interesting because if you look at the Leafs down the stretch, the amount of Atlantic games they have that a couple times a week, they may have playoff atmosphere type games. And I think that's going to tell you a lot about the team going forward is that is how they compete in, in these next few weeks. Cause we're winding down on the season. People We're less than a month from the playoffs. It will tell you a lot. Yeah. They have eight games against the Atlantic. That's tough. And you know what? If they get hot enough, they could pass floor. It's a long, it's, it's difficult <sighs> to make up. I, I know it's unlikely. But with all those divisional games, the the patented four point nine, as they call it, uh, the games against Florida are huge. It's not out the depths of. I mean, you could still probably end up playing Boston in the first round, but uh, it doesn't yeah. matter. I don't yes. know. It'd probably be Washington. It'd probably be Washington, which would be just a fun, would be a quite interesting series. Uh, now it would just it, it would be reverse, right? Uh, in twenty seventeen, Washington uh, yeah. Washington was the. Uh, t- 
number one seed in the Metro and Toronto was the second wild card. That's when I told everybody Kapanen's going to become a 30 and 30 player. I remember that. Oh, Daniel, 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 Daniel sorry, I, I, I hate I, to tell I'm you, sorry. you might, might've been wrong. <laughs> we, I don't know if he's played the game since, by the way, but Roman Yossi at 20.8 in 13 games in March. Um, obviously I've been very much on Kale McCarr this year, mm-hmm. um, but Roman Yossi's on pace for like a hundred points this year. Um, the second best defenseman in Nashville Predators history, guys. I laughed when I saw it on the dock. Weren't you the Why? one who put it on? No, no I no because me. I think it autocorrected to Roman Jose. Oh I, wow, I did not even. I didn't that. realize because I copied my notes into a Word doc to put my little things, and they just <laughs> yeah. say Roman Jose. Jose. No, I did. <laughs> Pretty good though. Yeah, he's no um, Shane Weber, but you know. It maybe like I think. Roman Yossi is a player, and maybe it's because my fault too. Like I disrespected the Predators this year because I didn't realize they have 38 wins. You know what helps is Duchesne's good again. Yeah. I, yeah. Game. I don't think anyone I don't think anyone expected this to be Would to be you, honest. I'm gonna check where I had them in the standings. Like I don't I think maybe I had them making the playoffs but it would have been a wild card spot um and like it's not like i thought oh wow the national predators are going to be a playoff team it was probably more like they might you know they got the pieces there it's just they have to come alive and they haven't over the last few years so it's uh, nice to see that a lot of them are in form a lot of enthusiasm is back i think with the team um i think that's why they kept philip forsberg I think that if they did trade him at this point, it would disrupt a lot of things. And honestly, like, yeah, I'm giving them more respect now. Like they, they are fairly stable with what they have. Like we've mentioned the bad contracts before, but you know, Matthew Shane has rediscovered his game. Uh, the Ryan Johansson is just whatever. They're still paying Cal Turris a lot of money, but you like know def- been a good season, uh, season two. Yeah, like defensively, um, they could sustain that goaltending. UC Soros has been great, and you know they have an excellent guy developing in the KHL for them. Oh yeah, Skarov, man, trade him, trade him. I don't know what the season's been since the World Juniors, but trade him. I'm telling you, trade him now. Uh, I had Nashville second last in the Central Division this year, by the way. Um, I, I don't want to tell you what I had for the central, but it's not. It's, is it anywhere uh, close? Well, I had Colorado one. Yeah, yeah I, I think everyone I had did. Winnipeg two. I had Chicago three. Minnesota four, St. Louis five, Dallas, uh, Nashville, and Arizona. I, uh, yeah. Wait, I sorry, where did you have Vancouver? Or I had Vancouver third in the Pacific. Oh, okay. So I thought you had. Okay. Okay. I, I had uh, I had Vegas, LA. I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm right about LA. I'm telling you. I was so right about them. I had Anaheim last in that division. Seattle was like, hey there. We're, oh boy. Recruitment that. But I mean, like Winnipeg, I think. Hey, uh, hey man. That, that turned sour real quick. Hey, there's a lot of questions about the coaching there. Eh? A lot of questions about the coach in there. Wait, even with that, it's not maybe a, more than just the coaching. Paul Maurice is not there anymore. Yeah, he right? he uh, he yeah. made himself look good on the exit, but he kind of boned him. Yeah, he, uh, he kind of boned him. Not gonna lie. I mean, we uh, can't all be. 
post Claude Julian Dominic Ducharme, you know, you know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> what a, yeah. You saw Dave Lowry has been worse than Dom Ducharme in the regular season was last year. At least As he, Dom, wow. Dom Ducharme, I don't, well, I, I see, I don't know because they didn't win like two straight games until like the Uncle playoffs Kyle, happened. But. By the way, what? Uncle of Kyle. What? Uncle, Uncle of Kyle. Kyle. Isn't it, isn't, uh, isn't, um, the, he, the Adam Lowry's dad? Isn't mm-hmm. right, yeah, and Uncle Kyle's Kyle Lowry, yeah, yeah, Kyle, Uncle Kyle Lowry. from Philadelphia. Yes. What? Kyle Lowry. Like I tried to make a joke. Oh, oh, yeah. Adam Lowry, Kyle now, Lowry, yeah. Dave I Lowry. I forgot. I forgot he wasn't a Raptor anymore. <laughs> I I kind of forgot. About I love that. his conflict resolution lately, though. That was great. What? What? what so, mean? um, like Jimmy Butler and like Udonis Haslam were getting into like a shouting match with the head coach Eric Spolstra. And then while that's happening, you just see Kyle Lowry walk away from the like the scrum on the bench. You know what he's thinking? Like, should have stayed. stayed. Yeah. Should have stayed. Should have stayed. Maybe Kawhi should have stayed and he wouldn't have been embarrassed. But like, ridiculous. I mean, you know, whatever. Uh, Kawhi. Okay, maybe we do. Congrats on the new shoe, by the way. He just came yeah. out with the new shoe. Okay. He needs yeah. more shirts. Uh, my board man's getting paid. Shirt is getting a little old. Okay, I need some new shirts, Kawhi. <laughs> Kawhi didn't die. Okay, that's everything. Uh, we'll see you on uh, Sunday. Yeah. Um, thanks for listening. Check out the show wherever. Check out our own, own stuff. It's all in the description below. Check out the TikTok to see me simping for Sidney Crosby. <laughs> That'll be a shirt idea one day, maybe, if we ever get to that point. Thanks for listening. Goodbye.